podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life. With less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Yes, welcome to episode 142. Today we're going to talk about anxiety and worry and obsession and really how to, how to deal with these negative emotions. Yeah, it's uh, we all experience them for sure. We do, and I, I've got a little bit of follow-up from last week, but I think, Ryan, I'm going to move this to the right here, right now segment toward the end of this episode because it's a big health update for me, and I feel better right now than I have in at least a decade, man. I'm so glad to hear that, man. I mean, I feel better right now maybe than I have since age six. Um, <laughs> like, That's incredible. It really is, and, and I'm going to talk about why, and all you need to know is for three payments of $39.95, you can feel incredible too. What a jerk. <laughs> no, actually, uh, I'm just going to talk about some of the stuff I've, I've tweaked with my diet uh, with my doctors. I, of course, did that uh, podcast episode with my doctors talking about health problems, and I've done a few tweaks since then uh, based on their recommendation. And mm. Oh my God, Like it has changed everything. It's not a miracle, but it's such a significant improvement. Like, well, I'll talk about it toward the end of this episode. That's but, awesome, man. But before we dive into the questions today, Ryan, I wanted to ask you, what what triggers your anxiety? Because a reason I asked that question is I'm a far more anxious person than you. Man, I'll tell you, um, social media used to trigger my anxiety. Okay. Uh, before, like when I was following a bunch of people, which... I, I I still like following I think us on Twitter <laughs> and on Instagram. I think I might be following Mariah on on Instagram. But dude, like looking at social media and uh, whether it was an article about something really bad happening that was shared, yeah. whether it was uh, someone responding to a, a critic or, or going on a rant, mm-hmm. um, man, like it was a very it, it can be a very big anxiety inducing experience. But I'll tell you, man, like since. I have like cleared my whole stream. Yeah. Like now, dude, it's been such an awesome experience. Like today I was on Twitter and I saw, uh, I saw people who were donating to the, uh, the gem city, um, uh, fund that we have right now where we're, we're trying to build that co-op in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's really awesome. Very, very encouraging. Right. Um, uh, someone, uh, reached out to me and they're like, Hey, you know, uh, I was listening to that, that podcast where you lost your AirPods. And, uh, you know, you can go and actually go on the find my iPhone app and, and find your AirPods, which I really appreciate the tip. Don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, of course I went on and, and tried to do that and I, di- I didn't get anything. But my point is, is that now, uh, by changing my approach with social media, I am, I am able to like really enjoy that experience so much more, man. Yeah. I'm able to interact with, with people who comment a lot more where, where it used to be. So I don't get a ton of comments. It's not like I get a thousand people reaching out to me a day, but I will get, you know, five to 10, 10 to 20 on, on some days. And even if I would get only this is, this is on your personal account, yeah, just on the, my the, personal the account, the minimalist yes. main account gets hundreds, lots if not and lots. thousands. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but, uh, now when I, so I used to see like just five notifications, Hey, you've got five notifications. People are mentioning you or 
And it would stress me out because I hadn't even gone through my feed yet right. and like browse through that yet. But now it's like that's that has 100% of my attention. Well, I hear Instagram added this feature of like you're all caught up now. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't know because I don't have Instagram on my phone. But I, um, if I do want to post something, I download it and then I post the thing and then I like delete it, right. which I'm sure hurts me algorithmically. Um but I don't give a shit. And we're not beholden to the algorithms. <laughs> yeah, we're right. Conformists. <laughs> we're not mathematicians. <laughs> this is a math <laughs> podcast. But um, the the uh, the thing with Instagram, like the, you're now caught up feature, to me is like both anxiety producing and relieving at the same time, hmm. which is a perfect metaphor for what you were just talking about. I think because what you were talking about is, hey, as I was using Instagram. In a, or not just Instagram, but any social media platform, mm. sometimes it pacifies our instant anxiety. So yeah, I, I'm standing. It's a distraction. In, yeah, exactly. So I'm right. standing in line at Chipotle. Let me quickly. I'm feeling anxious because I'm not doing anything with my hands or my mind or whatever. I need to. I need some sort of distraction. But in a weird way, by covering up the immediate anxiety, it just extends the anxiety. It's like taking a pill that covers up the symptoms without without really dealing with the problem. Now, all yeah. that to say that we're not saying social media is inherently bad or evil it can be quite useful and what you're saying is some in, in in some manner you're actually rediscovering the useful aspects of the communicative side of of social media and then of course when we redid our social media plan um earlier this year where we basically said hey we're going to use social media completely differently in 2018 we want to be very intentional about how we are using social mm -hmm. media when we did that we wanted to be communicative but also expressive what's the best way we can express ourselves and add value to other people's lives and how can i use social media to add value to my life and man you're right if we don't instantly i feel more anxious and yeah. it's anxiety producing so i wrote down a few things that that it, there's the, a joke that i often start some of our events with um about there are three things that i hate uh, i hate large crowds of people travel and public speaking and of course you know we've gone on over i think 300 tour stops at this point uh, all over you know north america australia and europe and uh, we're headed to brazil next month for a, a, a private event and so like i actually don't hate these things but they do make me anxious travel yeah. makes me anxious being around people makes me more anxious mm. and i i deal with anxiety and i, I don't want to say i hide it really well it's not that i hide it but i don't find it useful to like go around exposing my anxiety and trying to make other no. people think no I, I think i think it's important to have some anxiety with things i mean it, it that that stress that we feel is an indicator mm -hmm. um and that's why it's there that's why it's built into us i, I think i, I mean, agree it is it is something that lets us know something is wrong it's like that warning light in your car we, we uh bex and i were <clears> driving <throat> uh in her prius this mm. weekend from missoula to bozeman mm-hmm and we, we were driving there, one of the indicator lights came on mm -hmm. for like low tire pressure. Yeah. That tells you something something's up wrong, yeah. right? But to sit there and ruminate over that light being on and to sit there and talk to Bex and, and stress until that light finally comes off. Right. It's, it's useless rumination. Like I love that whole bit in our documentary where Dan Harris talks about going to the airport and yeah. how there is a bit of anxiety. Even for me, when I know I've left the airport, left for the airport with plenty of time, there's always this bit of anxiety where I'm like, whoa, what if traffic all of a sudden, you know, it takes twice as long to get there and I got to get there on time. And, and that is very useful 
uh, anxiety to a certain extent, uh-huh. but r- when we get stuck in the rumination, yes, um, I think that's where anxiety is is definitely hurtful. And then the other thing too, which I'm totally guilty of this, is like, for example, with social media, like I know that that has a big chance. It used to have a big chance of causing me distress. Mm-hmm. So um, I did. I was doing two things wrong. A, I kept looking at it, <laughs> <laughs> so I kept I kept uh, uh, inducing. Uh, that anxiety, I, I knew I had a chance of of inducing anxiety. Mm. All right, so I, I wrote down this note um, that goes along with exactly what you're saying here. I didn't know where it would fit in in the podcast, but this is the perfect time. I wrote down, if you go searching for anxiety, you will find it. Oh, and, yeah. And I, I think that there are endless sources of anxiety. That statement for us. just made me a little anxious because <laughs> I know there's something there. Like all of a sudden, like I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I got to move out of my apartment in 30 days uh-huh. and I had a place. So I told my landlord I was leaving, but now I don't have a place. Right. Like there's always something. And then you start going to like the worst case scenario. Right. Like, oh my God, I'm leaving for, t- dude, I really am getting anxious about this. Just thinking about it. <laughs> right. Going right. on tour. Not going to be back until the 29th. I have only two weeks to look for a place. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Yeah. So you're, you're getting ready to move. You found an apartment, but then someone like put in a better offer than you. And, yeah. and all of a sudden now you are, you're living in the studio now. Yeah, right. I mean, it's great, though. The floors here are really clean. I didn't even think about that as an option. We have a new storage unit you were telling me about. I don't think they'd be happy about that. <laughs> um, what else makes me... So, if people make me... they don't. I don't actually hate these, these things. They make me anxious, right? Yeah. Travel makes me anxious. And we're recording this right before we go on the Simply Southern Tour. By the time this comes out, we will have already been in Birmingham and um, Louisville. And I think uh, tonight will be, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, tonight will be Nashville with, with Rachel Cruz. But we we're going to go travel and I get anxiety just thinking about it. In fact, I was flying to Montana last, mm-hmm. uh, last week and like, that made me anxious. Like just, mm. the, just the, the, not a lot of anxiety, but enough that I'm like, oh, oh, I, uh, this is a warning sign. This is some sort of indicator light, right? Yeah. And then the question then is, do I just leave that indicator light on and and just continue to worry about it, or do I do something about it? Here are a few other things that make me anx- anxious, stress me out. Um, More than one cup on the table. That's true. In front of me. So I have OCD, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, like a doctor actually told me I have OCD, but I don't need a doctor to tell me that I walked down 49 steps from the parking garage this morning, <laughs> literally, to, to get here, right? Yeah. Uh, there is an office on the other side of us where a guy has six pins on his desk this morning. <laughs> and I'm like, what is he doing? Why doesn't he have three? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the perfect number. Everyone knows the appropriate number of pins. Uh- <laughs> No, and so like I notice these things. I'm way more obsessive than I am compulsive, but I I I, I just notice these things. And so uh, something else that really makes me anxious is parenting. Mm. I, I realized that you know, especially this week, Ella was being a bit of a handful, uh, and and she can be really fun. And and uh, you, know, Rob Bell says your your first job as a parent is to enjoy your kids, and yeah. to me that is like my biggest aspiration in life. Yeah is to find ways to to enjoy Ella as a as a human being and as a child. And I was able to do that last night. You know, we we had to go get money for the the laundry machine, so like I give her a $20 bill to 
get quarters out, and she thinks she's hit the slot machine jackpot. Oh, I remember that feeling when I was a kid. <laughs> and it's so awesome. And, and she loves it. We were like looking at the lights uh, outside our window, and she was like, oh, that one's pink. And that, like we, I'm able to enjoy her from time to time. But then there are other times where... <laughs> You're able to enjoy her from time to time. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, but there are other times she, she like <laughs> in the same hour where I'm like, oh, you're not listening. And like, it's truly... <laughs> Why are you acting like you're five? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's truly anxiety producing for me. It's to the point where it's like, I'm overwhelmed with with anxiety. Yeah. And, and so if people make me anxious, travel makes me anxious, parenting makes me anxious, public speaking makes me anxious, clutter makes me anxious for mm. sure. Um, and we just talked about the pins or, or whatever, but but yeah, in my own in my own spaces, especially the spaces that I have control over, mm-hmm. um, we were just uh, going through this earlier. I'm like, hey, can we put away that lens cap? Um, and can we put away Ryan's c- laptop? Which they weren't bothering anyone. They weren't ugly or anything. But these are just things that that bother me. Yeah. Uh, debt, debt really stresses me out thankfully Man. i haven't had debt in a long time yeah, that is uh god that's probably when i think about all the stresses in my life i think debt is by far the biggest stress i've ever put on myself mm. I can't think of anything else. That's a that's a good one, man. Yeah, and and it's the thing about debt is you, you just said it perfectly. It's a thing that we put on ourselves. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. else generally doesn't pour debt on you. There could be some sort of medical. It's thing. It's illegal. Or, or, for someone to, here, Josh, I just bought you a house. Here's the deed. <laughs> You're four hundred thousand dollars in debt. Just grab your hand. Merry make Christmas. You, make you sign it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so, so uh, debt is really stressful, and and it was a stressor. It was a la- low level stressor because I just sort of ignored it. That that warning light was on my entire twenties, mm. and then obviously in my early thirties until I got out of debt, uh, thirty one, thirty two, and and that light was just there, and. You can't ignore it because it's flashing all the time. Yeah. And so you just sort of pretend it's not there. It becomes part of your everyday existence. Flash, 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 flash. I used to tell myself, because someone had told someone had told me, you know, it's good to have a little bit of stress. And that's what I would tell myself when I felt that indicator with the mm-hmm. debt. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'm supposed to have a little bit of stress in my life. Yeah. But... And, 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 you know, uh, there are the majority of the people living in the United States are in debt. So... Uh, you know, I'm not saying that uh, uh, if you have debt, like, you know, it's uh, it, this is such a touchy subject for me, man, because what I want to say is, is, yes, we put it on ourselves. Yes. And uh, the, the amount of debt that I had that was giving me anxiety, it was too much debt. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, that should have been an indicator for me to like to, to change it. Yeah. I think most people in the United States either have debt or have had debt at some point in time. Yeah. Um, and if you have debt, you're broke. I mean, there's no other way to really say it. Uh, if there's, it means you can't afford the thing that See, you have. See, you're right? much more direct when it comes to debt than well, I am. It, but here's, here, but here, the, I'm, I'm saying this in a loving way, like the, I know, I, I, the I way know. I would say it to Ella when she's 15 or 16. Of course. And, and I would say, hey, if you have debt, you're broke. But here's, here's the good news: we've all been broke or broken mm. at some period in time. That's okay. What's not okay is to continue to be broke or broken without a plan to get out of that broke that that we are experiencing and so being in debt can be okay if you have a plan to get out of there's no such thing as good debt Mm -hmm. and and i know we say that repeatedly i can't wait to talk to chris and anthony and and rachel about this because i know a they'll agree but they're money experts and they'll have a lot more to to say about the topic in a a way that's way more articulate than i can articulate it uh extemporaneously but i i think that 
by, by realizing that there is this anxiety, whether it is with the clutter or with parenting or with travel mm. or with debt, whatever it might be, STD tests, those really give me anxiety. God, dude. It's like the worst anxiety. It's, yeah. Even though... Um, e- even though like, I mean, now it's okay. Cause like we're monogamous, but yeah, <laughs> right. right. No, <laughs> you know what though? That's not true. Uh, um, I mean, it's true that we're monogamous. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I didn't realize you and Bex had an arrangement, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, we'll talk about that in a separate episode, but, um, uh, um, it, it's, it's more arranged than you might think. But uh, anyway, th- there's, um, when I, when I look at, at STD testing, like I had to do, I was re-upping my life insurance. They send you to go do all the blood tests and mm. whatever. And I have no reason to think I would have any sort of, I mean, I've done so many blood tests over the last three years. Right. And, but even then, I'm like waiting to get it back. And I'm like, what if they missed it all the other 17 times I've had an STD <laughs> those things test? Are only, those things are only 99.9% accurate. <laughs> right. And <laughs> I wonder if I'm one of the 0.1%. And right. like, that's, no, but it's, it is true. Like that, those little things will cause stress for yeah whatever reason. Absolutely, man. And so, um, so, so how do you deal with stress, well, man? So, so I think the with these anxiety-producing things, mm. the reason I don't show it outwardly as much. In fact, when I do show it outwardly, it usually comes off as annoyance. Mm. And so, people often think I'm annoyed by things. It's really because I'm anxious inside, right? Mm. But I, I work hard to not show it outwardly because that just makes other people anxious. I don't, right. and, and that's not what I want. Is that if I ask myself, right. what, what's my desired outcome? Well, I. I really want everyone else in the room to be anxious too. That's going to help my anxiety. No, of course not. That's going to make my anxiety worse. Imagine if everyone around you is super, super anxious. Mm. All of a sudden, you're going to even be more anxious. Even if you didn't start out anxious, you're going to have a, a heightened sense of anxiety. And so for me, it, it's about it's what well, you you have one of two options there. You can remove the 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 thing that produces your anxiety, and you can become an agoraphobe mm. and and lock yourself in your house, mm-hmm. and then you're still. I mean. They're the most anxious people in the world still are the people who are agoraphobes, right? Mm-hmm. And I could totally see myself going toward that, you know, like the Howard Hughes thing. He was the total agoraphobe, right? right? And it, so so that's one option is, okay, well, I'll never travel ever again. Okay, I'll stop being a parent. I'm going to have to leave Bex and, and uh, uh, no more parenting for Ella because she just stresses me out too mm-hmm. much. It's, I'm too anxious with that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to get rid of that. Uh, with clutter... Um, well, you know what? I'm just going to, going to have to not own anything at all in my life because anything that I own is going to make me anxious. Mm. Uh, I'm never going to I'm never going to speak in public again because mm. that's going to make me anxious. So that's one way to try to deal with anxiety. That's not the best way to do it. Well, yeah. If you, well, a at that point you'd be setting the expectation that you're going to live your life stress free or uh, free of anxiety. Right. And that's just. That's a really bad expectation. Yes. And so some stressors, some anxiety is really useful. Those are those indicator lights that you talked about. And so for me, when, when I start feeling anxious about something, it means I need to take action. I need to, I need to be brave enough to lean into this and figure mm-hmm. out what is actually making me anxious mm-hmm. about parenting. What is actually making me anxious about travel? And then how do I deal with that? What is actually wrong with the car when we were in montana and that light came on you know what it was actually a bad indicator light mm. and so so it wasn't we, we stopped Ooh, the car. what a metaphor dude because sometimes we're born with bad indicator lights exactly mm. and so i got out of it we, we pulled over the side of i-90 and i got out checked all the tires make sure there was no no problem or the sensor was, it was a bad indicator yeah, sensor yeah the yeah. sensor was off I'm right yeah the, the the sensor was off and so what i did was i went around i checked all of the the, the lights and or the, the tires and 
they were all fine. And then we stopped a few miles down the road again and checked it, make sure everything was okay. And eventually the light went off. But now that all that tells me is, hey, we need to go to the Toyota dealership and they have to reset the sensor or maybe replace the sensor. sensor yeah. and, and so how do we replace our sensors in our own lives? Is I think the thing we want to talk about with these folks today. All right, let's go ahead and jump into these voicemails. Our first voicemail is from Fallon in Marietta, California. I was listening to your decorations episode and um, it really hit me that I think I think those belongings are what's adding to my forever long priority list. Um, and I'm a high anxiety person and I'm pretty busy. I have a two-year-old toddler who has a lot of stuff. I have a husband who's a mechanic who has a lot of stuff. I'm a teacher. I have a lot of stuff. Um, and being high anxiety, I feel like everything is on my priority list. Everything from getting my dog's teeth cleaned and being a good owner to, you know, teaching my kids certain things and sitting down and reading books with them every day. Um, and I just wanted to find out what I could do to maybe help my anxiety and help me progress in getting rid of some of these things without totally losing my mind. Um, I'm at the point of like wanting to go on leave from work so I can stay in my house and sort through everything and just throw everything away for a week. Um, so I just wanted to find out if maybe there was a better way to do that or a better way to actually prioritize things without thinking everything is top priority. Now, Ryan, I was a little bit worried when she said, I'm thinking about taking a leave of absence from my work so I could stay at home. And she had like this little pause there. Mm. And it was just it was the agoraphobe thing that I was talking about. But then she said, I want to stay home for a week. So it sounds like maybe she has a plan to deal with some of this excess stuff that's going on in her lives yeah. or in her life. But but well, her their lives, her family's life, her husband and, and her kid. And obviously she's a teacher. And so she has to deal with a certain amount of things. Now, she talked about many of the belongings belongings being a priority in her life and mm. the thing that i want to stress here is i think belongings are rarely a true priority i think what she was saying was all of her possessions so it started with the decorations right but then she talked about her husband's stuff her stuff her kids stuff uh-huh. like everything that is stressing her out she feels like they're all her priorities yes but she has so many priorities okay that it's 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 producing this anxiety in her life. Right. And, and so, I mean, obviously, if you go if you go back to the root of the word priority, and uh, Greg McEwen talks about this in his book, Essentialism, um, we didn't have a plural for the word priority until the 20th century. It literally means the first thing. Right. You can't have a hundred the first things. Right. It just doesn't even work grammatically, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so having... having a hundred priorities means I have no priorities at all. I don't have a priority, right? Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately she needs to, to she, she said I have a very busy life. And, and the thing I wrote down here, Ryan, is busy does not mix with anxiety. And I've learned that in my own life. Mm. Uh, in fact, I was talking to my doctor on the, he called me up and he was like, hey man, uh, can I bother you? I know you're really busy. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> Don't you say that to me. That's the worst four letter word in the English language yeah. is busy because really all that means is your life is out of control. And so here's the good news, uh, Fallon. I, I think that you've identified the fact that, hey, you know what? Your life is really busy. 
it's out of control right now. Exactly. Your yeah. life is out of control. And you've identified that because quite often we don't know we're out of control until we're like spinning off the road and it's too late. We're already headed into the crash. The, the news for you, Fallon, is yeah, you are headed toward a crash. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen unless you course correct now. But that's the good news. You haven't crashed yet. Mm-hmm. The best time to course correct is before the crash. Yeah, the anxiety that you're feeling right now, Fallon, is is in regards to uh, uh, you've got to take action towards this stuff. Mm-hmm. It is obviously, um, while well, you're calling and talking about how it's ca- causing anxiety. So if it's affecting you to the point where you're calling us, it's probably affecting how uh, your attitude when you're around your kids, when you're around your husband. So how does she get out of this, Josh? How does she... How does she uh, uh, prioritize her priorities? <laughs> Two things. Number one is I think you have to realize that not everything is equal. And that's yeah. my biggest problem. Like I will have a task list and it can have a hundred priorities on it, right? Yeah. I, I got a hundred priorities on my task list and I'll just start going through them and I'll usually go toward the thing that is easiest first. Why? Because we we tend to go toward the path of least resistance. Mm. The easiest things are usually the least meaningful things though. And so if I, if I have a hundred things and 80 of them are easy, I'll never get to the 20 things that are actually meaningful mm. uh, or productive or something that truly adds value to my life because I'm so focused on, well, I got to check email, got to uh, gotta make sure you're all caught up on Instagram, whatever it is. Like I, I'm just so focused on, well, let's get that off the list, get that off the list, get that off the list. The thing is, you can actually get a lot of those things off your list by saying no to them. And so that's the second thing. We have to get better at saying no. And, and I'm really good at saying no, except. Mm. Here's the problem for me. My, I, I have a hard time saying no to the people closest to me, Ryan, uh, to Bex and to you. Um, I want, because I really care about you. I want to please you. I want to be able to say yes. Now it's better for me to say yes to you than it would be to some stranger on the street. Hey, can I spend three hours of your time talking to you about <laughs> blogging? I mean, I'd love to, but I don't have infinite resources. I don't have infinite time. So I'd love to uh, say yes to you before someone like that. But sometimes when I'm saying yes to you or Bex, that means I'm saying no to, to myself. And mm-hmm. I'll give you an example from, from yesterday. Um, Bex likes me to pick her up from the airport. She, her and Ella were flying in yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, for me to go to LAX is about a three-hour trip there and back. What time were they landing? Uh, six o'clock. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, so it could have turned into a four-hour trip. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and... and um, I I often almost always say yes. I can count on one hand with three digits left uh, how many times I've said no to that. Yesterday was one. I had to say no to to them and say, hey, can you just please get an Uber? Because I had so I, I was preparing for this podcast. There's all kinds of irony and being extra anxious pre- preparing for an anxiety podcast. <laughs> but um, and so I, I had a lot of things to do yesterday to prepare for today and tonight we're doing some filming and I was preparing for that mm-hmm. and and uh, I had to call a bunch of people yesterday there was all kinds of stuff going on so I just had to say no I, I don't have time to spend three or four hours and which is fine but then on the Uber ride home Bex texts me and, and she's like hey can you go pick me up some Chipotle so that we're you know by the time Ellen and I get home we'll have have dinner there and I'm like okay 
Yeah, I mean, yes, because I don't. I'm afraid to say no to you. Yeah. So I said yes, and it totally like increased my anxiety levels again because I'm oh. like I'm in the middle of doing this stuff that I I perceive to be important and and meaningful and but it's also meaningful to provide food for Ella and Bex are coming home, but. I should have said no, and here's here's what you can do. Why don't you? You could do Uber Eats. You could do. You could have it delivered right to the house if you want. I mean, there's technology involved, so that I don't have to spend 45 minutes to an hour going to to get you something to eat. Yeah. Right. And and break that that whole flow. And so instead of just ignoring it and letting that fester, let my anxiety get higher. Bex and I had a, a brief conversation about it, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. I should have. I should have thought that way." And I said, "Yeah, I should have thought that way too. I should have said no and said, "Hey, can you can you do this?" And so next time we know. And so it's really about adjusting accordingly. So yeah. getting better at saying no. How do you build that muscle? You continue to do it every single day, and you'll fail like I failed yesterday, but you'll learn something from it, and you'll move forward accordingly. What a great example for Fallon, man, because relying on her partner, relying on her husband for help. Uh, that's huge. I mean, uh, Fallon, you know, here, here's what I would do if I was you. So every, uh, everything you said, I totally agree. The, the thing that I would add is you've got to get clear on what it is that you want to get done, Fallon. So write down everything that you want to get done on a list. Do not prioritize it, which is more important, what isn't more important. Just, just write it all down. So at least you know what you need to get done and then go to your husband mm. and then say, Hey honey, uh, here are the things that are really, really stressing me out. Yeah. And I know that I've got a problem and that this is stressing me out, but you're such an amazing husband that I know that you're going to go out of your way to help me take care of these things. And if you don't actually help me take care of these things, I know you're at least going to support me taking care of these things because you're such a great husband. Mm. And oh, by the way, when you look at this list, what do you, what stands out to you? What, what is the most important thing to you? Does any of this stuff stress you out as well and kind of approach it from, uh, you know, like a team aspect? I think as you're looking at that as a team, you, you'll look at that list. Maybe there's 20 things on there. For me this morning, I was going through through my, I don't have a to-do list. I have a today list mm. and then I have a someday list. Mm. And um, like th- that's how I prioritize. And so I was looking at that today list and there were four things on it. And I'm like, okay, is it, what if just in a hypothetical world, I deleted half of these? Mm. would the world keep spinning would my life be okay if i didn't do any of these things and the truth was there was one thing for sure i could just remove immediately Mm. um and and my life was still fine in fact i feel good now because i've removed that responsibility that anxiety inducing responsibility then that that allows me to focus on the other two or three things that are truly important and so Mm. sometimes you don't even have to say uh can you help me out with this before you even get to that you can say i'm gonna instantly say no to these things that aren't important i pretended they were important Mm. that i I treated them as if they were just as important as these other truly important things but they're not that at all they're they're worth deleting yeah so fallon come up with a plan uh like i said write down everything that you need to, to to accomplish go to your husband and ask him to help you come up with a plan but you know here's the thing fallon is it sounds like you've got a lot of uh, a lot of things on your plate, mm. and yes, I agree. She should probably um, maybe take a couple of these things off the plate if if possible. Right. But ultimately, to get where you want to be, Fallon, it's going to take a lot of work. And as Josh and I always say, uh, simple is not easy. Yeah. Simple is 
Simple is really, really difficult. In fact, easy is just continuing to ignore these priorities and to continue letting things build up and to continue to go with the flow. And easy can be anxiety producing for me. Yeah, absolutely. For, for me, like if I just start focusing on the easy things to do, it means I'm letting, I'm, I'm putting on the back burner the things that should be the most important to me. So going with easy will maybe in the short term distract you like the Instagram thing we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. but, but long term, it's just going to increase your anxiety. Now, talk about a plan she said well what if i take a week off work and do the things i want to do that might that might work for you but realize that even if you clear your plate completely there's going to be new things that come onto the plate and that's okay i mean because the opposite is you have nothing on your plate ever and I mean, that sounds to me like a not a life well lived at all yeah i don't honestly i don't i am totally unbiased to uh, uh fallon's plan Whatever yeah. plan she comes up with, I support. But right. she's got to come up with a plan. Right, a, a plan that that will actually address the issues as opposed to... If taking a week off work would be great. If you just wanted to quit work altogether so you can stay at home and mm-hmm. constantly reorganize your possessions, mm-hmm. that would be a bad plan. So a plan that is actually going to, to feel meaningful uh, to you. Let's see what else I got here. Uh, she said, I feel like I will lose my mind... Uh, mm. I, 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 well, she said, uh, she said something about getting rid of these things. If she if feels like she doesn't get rid of them, uh, uh, how can I develop a plan to get rid of things without losing my mind? Mm. Is, is I think what what she said. And for me, is like, well, you might lose your mind if you don't come up with a plan to get rid oh, of yeah. the things. Well, I, I think what she's really saying is, is she doesn't even know where to start with a plan. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why she feels like she's she's losing her mind is because there's so much, she doesn't even know where to begin. Yeah. And uh, Fallon, it doesn't matter where you begin. It really doesn't. Just start somewhere. Yeah. Come up with a plan and start working the plan. Otherwise, yeah, you are going to lose your mind for sure. Well, Fallon, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Essential. It's an essay collection, 150 essays about intentional living. I think there are two, maybe three chapters you'll really find valuable. There's a chapter on priorities in there. And so we're talking about prioritization today. There's an entire chapter about priorities with several essays about how to prioritize. And there's a chapter on success, redefining what success looks like for you. Because success can't be, well, if I accomplish all of my to-do list, then all of a sudden I'm successful. Or if I make a certain amount of money, then I'm successful. That's just another type of to-do list and so there's a chapter on success and there's also a, a chapter on stuff in there and it looks like fallon is is is, ha- is struggling to deal with some of her stuff so we give you some practical tips to address that stuff sean if you could reach out to fallon and give her an audiobook version of essential because uh if you enjoy the podcast i think you'll enjoy the the audiobook version or if she wants the the book book version or the ebook version we're happy to send those to her as well our next question is from cat in sacramento I was just wondering if you had any tips on how to worry less and be a little less indecisive because that is something that I really struggle with. And I waste so much time worrying about every little thing and it just causes me unnecessary stress. So, Ryan, it sounds to me like Kat wants to, she wants some tips on how to be, the way she phrased it was be less indecisive. And, and <laughs> the thing that I think about is to be less indecisive, you have to be more decisive. Right. Right. And so instead of being less indecisive, it's really about how can I be more decisive yeah. in my my day-to-day decisions. So I've got some basic tips because she asked for tips about worrying less. Um, and I promise I won't spend a whole lot of time on these because they're basic, but they're important. They're, 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 a, they're a foundation to consider. The first off, um, are you sleeping enough? Mm-hmm. Are you exercising 
enough. I know for me, those two things will radically reduce my anxiety. In fact, if I'm feeling really anxious and overwhelmed, one of the things I'll do is go try to take a nap. Mm. It doesn't always work for me, but I will lay down at least. And I'll put on my headphones with a Brain FM app and I will just set it for either 20, 30, or, or 45 minutes. And I would just lay there and let my mind sort of wander. It's it's meditative. Sometimes I'll fall, actually fall asleep and I'll wake up like, oh, I'm not feeling as anxious now because your breath slows, your body calms down. Even if you don't actually fall into one of the, the stages of sleep, you feel a lot better afterward because it's uh, it's like uh, defragging your, your hard drive and your mind, so to speak. Um, so And exercise. Uh, for, for me, it, it can be something just quick and brisk you know there's a hill right by my apartment and so i'll walk up that hill and then walk around the block and walk back down and it gets my heartbeat going for 15 20 minutes or so and then all of a sudden once you do that you you become more in sync with with your body absolutely i, I just ordered an exercise bike so that i can make sure i'm getting my heart rate up uh and whenever i feel anxious i'm just going to hop on that for 20 maybe 30 minutes mm. and that'll totally change my my state yeah couldn't agree with you more man meditation helps a lot too um anytime uh, any when I'm meditating on a regular basis, I am able to well a be more decisive, but my stress level is is much more under control. Yeah, meaning, I mean, all it does is it allows you to um, take it. Allow, well, this is how it works for me. Uh-huh. It allows me to take a thought that is really, really bothering me, causing me stress, interrupting my day. And I can kind of compartmentalize that and say, yes, that is a problem. Uh-huh. That is something that, well, may, maybe it's something I can address. Maybe it's, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, my dad last episode. Maybe it's something there where like, I there's nothing I can do. Mm. Um, I, am, uh, I am at a point where it's like, I look at that thought and I say, you know what, man? Like, I've done everything I can. And I'm going to go ahead and continue to focus about going about my day and not let this angst uh, ruin it. Yeah. Uh, ruin the rest of my day. And and uh, if it wasn't for the meditate, and I don't meditate a ton. Like if if I'm meditating every day, it's for five to 10 minutes a day. Sometimes it'll turn into 20, 30 minutes. Uh-huh. But uh, like Mariah and I, we've been trying to meditate with each other for at least five minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I am able to um, go through that process a lot easier hands down dude it's very much like like the sleep i would think yeah, well, kind our, of the same scientific reasoning our, our friend dan harris says one minute is meditating so like yeah. it, it's 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 sort of the gateway into doing longer i mean dan meditates for two hours a day every day yeah. which is phenomenal and i think it's radically changed his life now mm. uh, med- meditation is not the miracle drug it is simply one tool and i like the, the idea of the 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 metaphor of compartmentalizing something for a second like like the thoughts about your dad clearly they're not useful right, right. Uh, you've already come to terms with it. you've you've dealt with it you've had a funeral for the relationship mm-hmm. as you talked about in the last episode but taking that thought and sort of putting it in this compartment and then letting that compartment go yeah, and, and, and in a way, it's meditation being, allows you to let go of those thoughts. Yeah, it allows me to, or it helps me to be more accepting of life. It, 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 it helps me to, um, well, basically it helps me to lower my expectations and raise my standards. Yes. Uh, my standard is, is like, yes, I'm not going to uh, ruminate on stress, um, but I don't expect that there's going to be zero stress in my life. And if you don't have time to meditate, you can't take a nap right now, one thing that really helps me out, and there's some science behind this just within the last few years, if you take six deep breaths, oh yeah, 
Uh, and for whatever reason, it's six. Like the, the, the sign shows that minimum of six. You just do the... <gasps> let it out. If you can hold it for you know a few seconds as well. Um, six of those will radically change your state mm-hmm. and it will radically reduce your anxiety levels. Now, maybe it reduces by 30%. That's a pretty radical reduction. Uh, for Ella, I've realized I was trying to get her to do the six and she just started hyperventilating because six is a big number for a five-year-old because you know, trying to do six of anything is like just too much. And so she would just start <gasps> and, and it would produce more anxiety in her because I'm like, all right, Ella, we need to take six deep breaths. And she's just <gasps> And so now it's like, hey, let's take one deep breath. Let's hold it in together for a few seconds. And let's just let it out. <sighs> and, and that really helps. And then if I can get her past one, then it's, can we do one more deep breath? If I can get her to do two or three, it often changes her state. And then when she becomes less, less anxious, I become less anxious. Another thing that I do when I'm uh, doing non-creative work, so if I'm checking emails or uh, doing phone calls, whatever, I wear a wristwatch. I don't have it on now, but uh, with a 22-minute timer on it. So you can set it on your phone or whatever, and it just vibrates every 22 minutes. And I get up and I will do some form of exercise. I'll either do like 20 squats or I'll do 10 pull-ups or I will do 50 push-ups, just something to get uh, change my state and I go right back to, to working. So mm-hmm. less than a, a minute or so, less than two minutes for sure, and I go back to 20 minutes of email or whatever. And that that continues to to help me with, uh, with my anxiety. You mentioned meditation. So I think the thing we need to ask Ryan, uh, that we need to ask Cat here mm-hmm. is the thing that you we asked each other at the top of this. Like, what Cat? What is actually triggering your, your anxiety? Because you might say that, like, well, I don't know. I'm just anxious all the time. I don't know what's actually triggering my anxiety. Well, it's the decision making. She said, right? R- right. But so let's keep going. Let's follow that that anxiety to what what are the specific decisions? My guess is mm-hmm. there are certain decisions for her that are really difficult, and so she puts them off. Right? Mm-hmm. She's making decisions every single day, so it's not every decision that is making her anxious. Right. Like maybe she decided to drink water right now that's not making her anxious. And, and so, what are the decisions that are making you anxious? What are the those triggers and then instead of hiding from them instead of running away from them you want to become brave enough to to run toward them right yeah and so so um that worry that worry is just a word that means fear basically mm. right and so it, it reminded me of this this essay that i've got here somewhere about fear minimalism kills fear this is on our website this is an oldie bit of goodie this is from 2010 it's a good one man and uh, there are some exercises in here i just want to read so you and i when we first started the minimalists.com uh we started with this 21 day journey into minimalism which which followed your 21 days of the packing party and letting go of those things but along the way there were sort of these aha moments and one of them had to do with fear and so this is what we wrote uh, about that And we'll put a link to this essay in the show notes as well. We're all afraid of something. Some of our fears are obvious. Spiders, heights, X's. (laughs) Other fears are less pronounced, less obvious. Like the fear of loss, the loss of things, the loss of acceptance, the loss of love. Sometimes we're afraid to give up what we think we have. Fear traps us. It prevents us from growing. It prevents us from contributing to other people. It prevents us from living happy, satisfied, fulfilled, free 
lives. So think about that for a second. If you're worrying, you're, you're really just afraid, that worry prevents you from having a fulfilled, free life. It, it gets in the way of satisfaction quite often. Yeah. Fear is the antithesis of freedom. It is, by definition, constricting. We often hold on to things because we're afraid to get rid of them. We fear losing those things because we think we might need them. We don't just fear the loss of these things, though. We fear the loss of what these things might mean to us in some distant hypothetical future. When you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. Try it. I'm afraid of getting rid of this T-shirt. <laughs> it's something we actually worry about, right? Yeah. Like, what if I get rid of this? But I'm afraid I'm going to miss it. I'm afraid I'm going to want it one day. I'm afraid that I'm going to need it just in the case. I'm afraid that a friend's going to need it just in the case. Right, right. I'm afraid of getting rid of this T-shirt because it could have a serious impact on my life in the future. Sounds ridiculous, right? So there's an obvious question we must ask ourselves when we're holding on to something. Why am I afraid of getting rid of this? Now, something can be a physical thing. Mm -hmm. Why am I afraid of getting... But it could also be like, why are you actually afraid, Cat? Why are you afraid of making a decision? Mm. What, what are you actually afraid of? And then saying it out loud, it, it, it might seem banal on the surface, but it, it's actually a great question to ask when you're faced with these difficult decisions. Give it a try. So you don't want to say no to that person. What am I really afraid of? Mm. Yeah. You can't yeah. write... Go ahead. Oh, no, go for it. Well, you can't write the novel you've been dreaming of writing? Why? What are you afraid of? I can't learn to play the instrument I've always wanted to play. I mean, why? What are you afraid of? You're going to be bad? Of course you're going to be bad at first. Everyone who ever picked up a guitar was bad at first. Mm -hmm. Everyone who ever... I'm still pretty bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you've picked up a guitar a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So have I. And I'm still pretty bad at it. And that's okay. And so uh, it goes on. I can't exercise and eat healthy foods. I mean, th this is something we tell ourselves. Like, I can't, I couldn't do that. It's just too difficult. It's not realistic for me to exercise every day. It's, it's not, funny. That made me think, man, food is such a, like, it, it's the social media. It's another social media. It's another pacifier to anxiety. Yeah. And so w I can't eat healthy. Why? What are you afraid of? Right. Mm -hmm. I can't quit the job I hate to pursue what I'm passionate about. Why? What are you afraid of? I can't fill in the blank. What are you afraid of? And I think it's important to ask that question. Uh, the answer to this question is almost always ridiculous. I'm afraid people won't like me anymore. I'm afraid people won't love me anymore. I'm afraid people won't respect me anymore. Chances are you have manufactured these false fears. And it is these manufactured fears that keep you from doing what you want to do. Or in the case of our physical items, it's the, fear that keep, uh, it's the fears that keep you from getting rid of the certain things that have no real value. Things that don't have any real meaning in your life. We have good news though. Fear is a choice, and thus anxiety is often a choice. When you figure out what are those real, what are what are those triggers, right? And so uh, I I will uh, I'll put a link to this, or Sean can put a link to this in the show notes. We can you can take a look at it. We've got some exercises in here that you can do to to get rid of those fears. In addition to asking that question, what are you afraid of? I like that essay. Um, the uh, that, that's an awesome one, dude. Another good one. I think you actually have it there. The paths. Oh yeah, essay. yeah, yeah. So from Cat, I I totally feel you on this. Uh, being scared to make a decision, especially the important decisions. Am I going to go to college, or am I gonna just try and do something on my own? Am I going to go into debt to buy a big house, or am I just gonna continue to rent? I mean, there are these major decisions that are can be paralyzing because if we make the wrong decision, right. it can be detrimental, or it can set us back five years or so. Mm -hmm. So I, I totally. 
uh, I can empathize because I've been there, uh, and, and and I'm sure Cat is is experiencing a little bit of that. But Cat, he, here's what I will say. Um, I don't know if you're going to read that path as, paths essay or not. I'm going to save that for the 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 Patreon uh, postscript. Uh, but cool. there's well, another well, separate essay here to talk about too. Go cool. Ahead, uh, yeah, let's and, and we can put a link in for the past uh, uh, episode podcast. Sean, you can put a note in the in the uh, uh, show notes there t- for for Cat to read, but. You know, ultimately, Kat, like you've got, you do have to figure out a way to trust in yourself. Uh-huh. Um, she has to figure out a way to uh, to make these decisions without uh, without that fear of of the consequence. And what I mean by that is, is so if she's deciding to buy a house, this can be a good or a bad decision. Yes, there is not. It's there's not just a blanket statement to say, well, buying a house is a good or a bad decision. Right. So the way that Kat is going to make good decisions is she's going to consider every single uh, possibility, every option she has. Mm -hmm. She's going to consider how it affects her life, how it affects uh, uh, the people around her, how it affects their lives. And ultimately, Kat, like you're going to have to make the best decision given uh, with the given information that you have. Yeah. Uh, Go uh, go ahead. I was going to say, but here's the thing, Kat, is sometimes you're going to make a bad decision. It's going to happen. We all make bad decisions sometimes. Yeah. But if you have done everything you can to make the best decision for yourself and something goes wrong, that's good news. Yes. You get to learn from it. Yeah. You get to learn to not make that decision again. And sometimes the the bad decisions can be really bad. Sometimes they can be uh, fairly innocuous, right? Yeah, pretty benign. And, and so there, here's this essay, another one. It's called The Worst Thing That Could Happen. This is from our book, Essential. Uh, it says risk scares the crap out of us. And this is going to be a great question for Kat to ask. There's a couple questions in here. Many of us associate risk with failure, failure with pain. Yet we're told we must take plenty of risks to succeed. Thus success must be painful, right? Not necessarily. When it comes to challenging our preconceived notions about risk, the common platitudinal question tossed around by kind hearted friends and self-help gurus is what's the worst thing that could happen? And so, so, Sometimes think about that for a second. Like sometimes we'll, we'll say, "Well, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that." What's the worst thing that could happen? Dude, that was right? like my grandpa's biggest piece of advice to me. Really? Yeah, he's like, any decision that you have to make, think about the worst thing that can happen. Right. If you can accept that scenario, if you can accept that consequence, then do it. Right. Yeah, and so so actually made me do some really shitty decisions growing up. But <laughs> well, and, and, that, and I think that's why this essay is helpful because it helps you ask another question on yes, top of absolutely. that. Yes, absolutely. Better questions. Exactly. So yeah. truth be told, some risks are fairly benign. Letting go of most of your material possessions, asking a cute guy or girl uh, for his phone number, writing the first page. Of Can I have a, your phone number, Josh? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, nice. <laughs> writing the first page of the book you've always wanted to write. What's the worst thing that could happen? Likely nothing at all. Like, like if you do, if you really like someone, you want to go ask them for their phone number. What's the worst thing that can happen? Get rejected. Yeah, literally nothing happens though, right? Yeah, you're rejected and nothing happens. What happens if you write the first page of the book and it's terrible? Nothing. Nothing actually happens. If you delete it, you can't prove anything happened. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's no real risk in these harmless endeavors. Other risks, however, probably should scare the shit out of you skydiving purchasing a home quitting your job what's the worst thing that could happen well some pretty awful stuff actually death debt and poverty respectively that doesn't mean you shouldn't take these risks it mean you it means you should approach each risk with logic reason and intuition you should peer over the edge before taking your proverbial leap and it, and if it makes sense then leap because not leaping can be a much bigger 
risk. And uh, the, the essay goes on. It's from our book, Essential. So we'll send Kat a copy of that as well. What else should we talk to Kat about, Ryan? I, you know, I just I just want to reiterate that she's got to learn how to trust in herself, um, and, and that's not an easy thing to do. How do you do that? How, how do you how do you better trust in yourself? I know how I do it, but but do yeah, you know? I, I think f- for me, it's I, I've learned to trust myself in the decisions because I have used that process that I have given Cat. Is I will take uh, in any major decision or even you know minor decisions if it's something that I'm wavering on and I'm unsure about. Like, yes, I know that I'm thirsty and I'm going to have a glass of water. That's a pretty easy decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but uh, you know, given those harder decisions where we kind of get paralyzed when they're major life decisions, um, I'd look at all of the factors involved, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, Mariah, whether it's you, um, whether it's the time that I get to spend with my family, um, the, 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 all my resources that it affects, not just my money. Um, but yes, my time, my attention, like how, how, how is that decision going to affect those? Once I take all that into consideration, I can have an informed decision. There's still risk. There's still a possibility that I might be making the wrong decision, but after applying that formula for years and years and years, I've learned to gain trust in myself and cat, I still screw it up. It sounds to me like we still make bad decisions, but I make less bad decisions. I'd make way less bad decisions uh, uh, today than what I did, uh, you know, my 25 year old self. Yeah. So, so it sounds to me like what, what you're getting at there is you have to make some decisions and you, I think to set yourself up for success is make some relatively easy decisions that you know, okay, I have a 90% chance uh, this is the right decision. Now, mm-hmm. 10% of the time you're going to fail. It means you make 10 decisions, one of them is going to be a failure. So you right. are going to fail, but you're going to set yourself up for, okay, now that I'm making more decisions, I'm leaning into it. I, I'm no longer paralyzed by indecision. I am empowered by my decisiveness. I'm going to be willing to quickly make these decisions, mm. especially for the benign one so we, we just went in the essay what are the benign decisions where there's essentially no consequence right mm-hmm. now for the big decisions it does make sense to wait if you want to buy a house you don't want to do that overnight right it's, it's a big process right. if you want to go skydiving you really want to think about that because you could die mm-hmm. right if uh if you want to quit your job it's just like well i feel like quitting my job today i might as well just walk into my boss's office today and say screw you i quit i'm leaving right now mm-hmm. that's there are consequences for that. But for most of the decisions we make every single day, we're treating it like it's life or death when right. it's not life or death at all. Make those decisions, make them often. And the more you make those decisions, the more you'll be able to trust yourself. Yeah. So so your formula for trusting yourself is just to continue to make decisions Yes. and uh, either learn from the mistakes or uh, you've learned to trust yourself because you've made really good decisions. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is make more benign decisions. Mm. And, and and because what you're doing is you're building up that muscle so that it becomes easier when the difficult decisions come around, yeah. you trust yourself more now because you know your ratio has improved. Maybe it's just 60-40 at first and you're making 60% good yeah. decisions, 40% bad, but over time that'll change 70-30, 80-20. Yeah. And all of a sudden now a big decision comes along you're like, Oh, I can trust myself now because I know most of the time I'm making a good decision. All of a sudden, when you start making those good decisions, the worrying starts to dissipate. I've got two more things for Kat. Kat, uh, cut out as many decisions as you can in your life. Start wearing one outfit a day. Stop try, Stop the, deciding where you're wearing in the morning. So you the know un, what you're going to wear. The unnecessary decisions. The unnecessary decisions. Cut out as many unnecessary decisions as possible. The other thing, too, is on those big decisions... Go consult someone. Go find a a, a a close friend, confidant, family member, mentor, someone 
um, d- like this uh, this apartment hunting that I've been going through, mm-hmm. there are five different people I talk to mm-hmm. about about uh, uh, about the apartment that that Mariah and I are going to move into, uh-huh. and it's because I need as much information as possible to make the most informed decision possible. At the same time, don't let them make the decision for of you. Of course not. And, and I think that's important because we can't we can't abdicate our own responsibility. So it's good to get to get other people's input, their feedback that you trust. Don't do not let them because then you're actually losing your own decision. Oh yeah, power, and a lot. Of, right? well, yeah, and a lot of people put it on someone else so they can be like, oh well, that was your decision. Right. It's still your own fault for going on their decision. Yeah. Realize that no matter what decision you make, it is going to be your decision, even if someone else influenced you. So you, they don't have to live with it either. So your trusted confidants, they don't really have to live with that decision. Mm. And so ultimately, you're the person who's going to be living in your home or getting rid of that old cardigan or, or whatever it might be. You have to to determine is this decision right for me? Not as is it right for Ryan or Sean or Jordan or anyone else? Is it right for me given my own circumstances? Cat, enjoy that copy of Essential, the essay collection, with that uh, with the essay, the worst thing that could happen, plus 149 other essays in there for you. Sean, if she wants the audiobook or the book book or the ebook, then please send those to her and everyone else. We'd love to hear what y'all have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about anxiety or worry or stress or discontent, including advice for any of our callers today then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. And stay tuned to the end of this episode for this week's listener comments and tips. Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Maybe Jordan could put like some CGI special effects with... I yeah. Imagine that the Greek god Nicodemus is holding like a lightning bolt. <laughs> You're he talking about a, Zeus? No, you know, you, you, it's like you, you dress. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be an animation of you with a, a lightning bolt. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a toga. That's great. Yeah, I don't know, with, uh, with one of those. Man, you got weird fantasies, Josh. Uh, yes, I do. All right, uh, we're on. <laughs> We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalist during the lightning rounds where each of us share a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. All right. Our first question is from Carissa. She writes in, does letting go of stuff help release anxiety? My parents just sold their house. So I'm back in my home state of Minnesota, minimizing all my old things. I can't justify or afford shipping everything to California. And now my anxiety is all over the place. Well, uh, here's the thing. My, my, my short answer, and then we can, we can unpack this a little bit. Our material possessions are a fin- uh, Our material possessions are a physical manifestation of our inner state. Amen. And so, so if there's too much stuff outside, then there's too much going on inside. Get your appendix taken out. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying here. <laughs> Man, uh, Josh, you are so wise. But, but that, that too much is perspectival, right? Because yeah. the thing, if it's too much for me, it might be just enough for Carissa. And so mm. if there's too much for you outside, if it's stressing you out, that is usually an indicator that there's something going on in here and it is manifesting outwardly in these these physical possessions. So uh, I would also say, though, getting rid of too much stuff at once can also trigger 
anxiety. It's like being pushed from a plane versus skydiving, right? Mm. If you've gone skydiving before. Yes, one time. You're right. And spur of the moment, talked into it. It wasn't so spur of the moment that you were just pushed out of the plane. That's true. You felt better about the skydiving experience than if uh, when we got on a plane this Thursday, if I just were to push you out on our way to Alabama. Yes. You felt much better because you had prepared for it accordingly, mm-hmm. emotionally, psychologically, whatever. It can still be terrifying, yeah. but not nearly as terrifying as if you weren't prepared for it. Even if I pushed you out of the plane uh, in, on the way to Alabama with a parachute, you're still going to be like, what is going on? This is terrifying. And and so I guess what I'm really trying to say to Chris is, is yes, you need to, to let go mentally as well. You need to be prepared in here before you let go of the things outwardly. But you'll never be completely prepared. Mm. If you're waiting until you're 100% comfortable with letting go, you'll never let go of anything because part of the letting go process is about embracing the discomfort. Definitely. Chrissa? Here's what I'd say. The more we detach from things that don't add value to our lives, the calmer, the freer, and the lighter we feel. I mean, I, I can't even tell you, man. When Just going through that packing party, I didn't even get rid of everything. I just packed it all up. Right. And I already felt much lighter. Like sitting in a room and uh, getting out my laptop. That's one of the first things I unpacked. And of course, then I got to unpack the internet. And I'm sitting there uh, working on the coffee table and there's no TV in front of me. There's no uh, clutter sitting over in the corner. No distractions. No distractions, man. I mean, it's, it is it is an automatic. Yes, absolutely. Like the more you let go, the freer and lighter you feel. Now, anything taken too far can, mm-hmm. can be bad. Right. So uh, please don't just run the dumpster and start throwing everything out. Yeah. But when you let things, that's what I'll say is that when you let things uh, go deliberately, Yes. The freer and lighter that you feel. Yeah, because you can do it in a way that is not intentional. You mm. can, uh, and that can be a, that could be a huge mistake. Yeah, and it can produce way more anxiety. Now, there's yeah. some people get that to the side. I mean, I think of the couple who came up to us in Philadelphia and said their house burned down and, and they had a dumpster fire because they were letting go of too much stuff. Right. They didn't plan, for, but then they overnight became like extreme minimalists because they didn't own anything anymore. Now, they as a family sort of worked together got past the anxiety and we're actually a better family because of it. Quite mm-hmm. often we have these these tragedies, these pivot points, these inciting incidents that that are really, really difficult in the moment. The car mm-hmm. crash kind of thing. But uh, it reminds me of that, you know, Matt Nathanson, the uh, the, yeah. the singer-songwriter? Yeah. Uh, he's got a song about uh, the lyric and the, the chorus is, I want to feel the car crash. I want to feel it capsize. Mm. And, and and sometimes we do need to blow something up, so metaphorically, right? Like, I need to just blow up the entire... Now, you get to make that choice. And if you're making the choice, you're doing so intentionally. Mm. And, and sometimes it's going to be easier to let go if you make that decision and someone, as opposed to someone else making that decision for well, you. Well, here's the thing, too, is Carissa knows. I mean, she obviously knows she has to get rid of some of her things. She cannot take everything to California. So whenever we make the right choices in our lives, even though it's difficult, even though it might be hard, even though we feel that angst of, of making these hard decisions, whenever we actually do make the right choice, right. I mean, hands down, we feel more at peace yeah. in our minds and our hearts. Yeah. So, Carissa, you know what you got to do. Yes, you have to make these decisions. And yes, if you make the right decisions and you do it deliberately, yes, you will feel calmer. You will feel freer. You will not experience as much as anxiety. You will release that anxiety. All right, our next question is from Mike. The physical feelings of anxiety are hard to overcome, even if you aren't worrying about something in particular. 
Do you have any methods or exercises to help deal with the physical feelings of anxiety? So this question, Josh, that Mike is asking Mm -hmm. is how can we, how can we help uh, deal with anxiety? uh, Basically, how can we change our state? Right. So I already talked about a few of those things, whether it was sleep and you talked about meditation and exercise. And so we won't belabor those things, but yeah, changing your actual physical state, changing your physiology will help a lot with anxiety. Uh, Nothing helps me more than changing my physical state uh, with respect to anxiety. Well, here's the thing. I mean, when we, yes, when we have anxiety, that is a physical feeling. We feel yes. tense. We feel, I mean, I, I, we get, palms get sweaty, butterflies. I mean, the, ang- the anxiety has physical feelings. Yeah. So these, these things that we're talking about, the meditation, the, the taking a nap, these are things that literally change your physical state. Right. Now, now also keep in mind, because his question said the physical feelings of anxiety mm. as opposed to the mental feelings of anxiety. Mm. But here's the thing. There's no difference, really. When, when you get down to it, fundamentally, it's all inside our body, whether right. it's the mental side, the physical side, and they are closely tethered together right yeah you can't you if you solve one you also solve the other and so so i mean think about the time time when you worked out the last time you worked out really hard you were exhausted i know you went to some like boot camp with dr ryan oh yeah recently dude i have found in la like every class that i go to whether it's at the gym or yeah nike did this like pop-up boot camp center that's like they they open it just for the summer that i went and did um soul cycle i feel like well, hey, I feel so out of my league, dude. Like, there's yeah. this whole subculture of incredibly fit people in LA, <laughs> and I'm way out of my league when I go to these classes. But the other thing, too, dude, is like, well, you know what? I could actually let that get me down. Sure. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, man, like, Dr. Ryan's looking at me like, oh, man, Nicodemus sure is a lazy ass. Or like, other people are looking at me like, man, he really isn't that physically fit. But ultimately, the way I, the way I perceive it and what helps me to continue to go back is I just kind of look at it like I'm practicing. Yeah. <laughs> practicing to take the class that, and eventually i'll be able to take the full ca- class but when if i practice enough <laughs> when you're fully sort of immersed in that it's nearly impossible to feel anxiety at the level you would outside of the class Absolutely. because you're so focused and so it's about finding that focus and and exercise really really helps you do that so does meditation so does sleep being prepared for the day by by sleep sleeping adequately and also some diet stuff which i'm going to talk about during the right here right now segment but uh my short pithy answer for mike is follow your fear to find the root of your anxiety Mm. and so what i mean by that is we often uh as as men especially but yeah, it, we're men. Yeah, all of us in this room, isn't that right, guys? Woo! Yeah, <laughs> we 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 hide George over there flexing. <laughs> we, we we hide these. Uh, we we hide the emotion of fear because it is not considered to be manly, and so we use these other words. We say, "I'm stressed," or "I'm anxious," or whatever. It really just means I'm afraid. Mm. I'm afraid of something. And so if you follow your fear, you'll uh, you'll eventually find the root of your anxiety. And, and I don't mean just follow it to the first checkpoint. Like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious because the, the light came on in the car. No, 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 no. Like, what are you really afraid of? And then can I address that as opposed to addressing the symptoms? Well, yeah, and fear is, uh, it's kind of like anger, meaning it is a surface emotion. There is always something leading to the anger. There's something leading to the fear. Yes. And yes, I totally agree. If you can get to that root. We got to kill the root. Not just like, well, I'm going to snip off the weed at the top here. It's just going to keep growing. Find out what the root is and address that. Yeah. Hey, Mike, uh, here's my short answer for you. Oxygen is anxiety's enemy. 
Love it. And uh, yeah, the the breathing method. It, there are t- there's a um, what is his name? The Iceman. Wim Hof. He has a breathing method. Sean podcast. Sean, I will send you a link to it. But he's got a breathing method that um, I mean, it'll take you to euphoric state. Yeah. Uh, you could do the 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 deep breaths. The six deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a sniper technique when I was in sniper school, they taught, I'm just, I was never in sniper school, <laughs> but, uh, I was Ryan reading about doing, I was reading about this, uh, this technique that snipers use where it's like, uh, actually Mariah was telling me about it. Um, it's a, it's four breaths or I'm sorry, you breathe in for four seconds as fast as you can <gasps> let out for four seconds <gasps> and you do that four times, okay. four, four, four. Um, th- th- my point is, love is, that album. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, my point is, is that Mike, it doesn't matter you know, the, the way that you, the method that you choose, choose a method and stick with it. The breathing methods definitely help. Meditation helps. Sleeping helps. Um, but yeah, these are all tools that, tools that you can use to help decrease your anxiety in the moment. Help decrease your anxiety. P.S. We have one more question. This question is from Aaron. How do you deal with worrying over possibly not doing the right things in the right place at the right time? Oh my God. I'm anxious just reading that question. Uh, should we just be happy with what we have and not let fantasizing over better things get in the way of our current focuses. And, uh, man, I think I've got quite a few answers on this because I've always had quite a few focuses and that was part of the problem. So if you'd like to hear our answer to that question, you can listen to this week's postscript episode over at the minimalist private podcast exclusively for our Patreon supporters. That's why it's a private podcast. So if you want to support our show and help keep this podcast a hundred percent advertisement free, then head on over to the minimalists.com slash support. In addition to our weekly postscript episodes, the minimalist private podcast feed includes our monthly ask the minimalist anything episodes, unreleased recordings of our live events. We're headed out on the road for these live events coming up soon and the entire back catalog of our past private episodes. Once you become a supporter, You'll receive a personal link to our private podcast feeds that it plays in your normal podcast player. And as a Patreon supporter, you also receive access to our monthly live stream videos. They're called Ask the Minimalist Anything live stream videos, as well as uh, first access to tickets to all of our live events before those tickets are available to the general public. You can find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com support. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. Often, the correct decision is glaring. The right path is illuminated, clear for miles, obvious to everyone. Whenever this is the case, seize the opportunity. Take the right path. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. And I just want to talk about something really simple. Because sometimes we talk about products Mm. um that i find value in and uh, especially experiences whether it's music or uh, like for example i went to a concert when i was back in missoula for a couple days with uh uh, phoebe bridgers who i've recommended her album before Mm. but it was the we asked at the top hat right uh this is not my added value but well at least i can talk about it because um it was the strangest awesome concert i've ever been to phoebe bridger's music is a beautiful bad dream it's like sad but the most gorgeous kind of sad it was like a lovely show but 
uh, most of the kids who were there, because she's, I don't know, 22 years old or something, the kids who were there in, in the crowd. Is it like, like Fitzsimmons at all? Fitzsimmons? Similar, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. More more despair than his music. His music More is, despair than his music? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, it's, but it's beautiful, too. Uh, yeah. And his music, uh, William Fitzsimmons is, is also I'm just, beautiful. I've never heard it before, and I'm just like trying to... Hers is slightly more upbeat. Some, someone who kind of reminds me of... Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it, they're certainly in the same... I wouldn't be surprised if they did a song together in the near future. Yeah. Um, but, like... Because usually you go to concerts like at the Top Hat or whatever, and it's Gregory Allen Isakov or Joshua James or someone where you're like, you're into it and like the crowd feels good. But her whole set, like she did her whole album, which has like 10 songs on it and two cover songs. That was her whole set. But the whole thing is fairly somber. And so the crowd was sort of into it, but in a somber way. Mm. It was the strangest sort of experience. But <laughs> it makes me think of like uh, the Adele concerts, it was. Um I remember like watching these highlights, like, and they specifically took the highlights of women crying oh. in the concerts, and like it was like this. Uh, I forget where I saw this, but it was talking about how like it's just a bunch of you know people coming together and crying about past relationships. <laughs> <laughs> that rarely, but happens. they really enjoy the experience. <laughs> that rarely happens at our show. I'm I'm thinking of back to 2014. We were giving a talk, and you were giving your talk in Salt Lake City, <clears throat> mm -hmm. and. There was a woman on the balcony who passed out in the middle of your talk. <laughs> yeah, she just got overheated, though. Yeah, well, I mean, you are pretty hot, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on, Phoebe, keep going. All right, that's uh, not my, my added value. Oh. But uh, we're going to go see. She's going to open for the National when we go see the National uh, uh, September 21st, I think, nice. uh, at the Greek Theater um, in L.A. So you'll get to see her set then when she opens up for the National. Awesome, man. But... Um, the thing that I'm going to recommend for anxiety is walking quickly in the sun. One mm. one thing we didn't we didn't talk about today is sun, and sun is like this free medicine, like water is that we neglect. It resets our circadian rhythm. So getting out for getting in some sort of sun, 15 minutes of sun when you first wake up. I like to go stretch outside, like on mm -hmm. on the patio, mm -hmm. and I'll just do my morning stretches and get a little bit of that sun, um, or just go out for 15 minutes and walk because you can't replicate that indoors. You, I mean. Mm -hmm. You can have, we have the brightest light above our heads right now. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, the brightest light up here, this is not even close to what the, the sun produces. I mean, it's a totally different world. You're smirking. <laughs> yes. But it feels crazy bright. I it out, does. It does. Yeah, you, yeah. you go outside on a cloudy day, yeah. and it doesn't feel as harsh as this. This light feels harsh to me right yeah. now, right? Sorry, I'm just awkward. Yes. Um, and, and I go outside on a cloudy day, you're still getting more sun than if you were to be cooped up indoors. So walking briskly for 15 minutes in the sun radically changes my anxiety level. So that is, that's my added value is go take some free medicine. Go take some, a walk in the sun. You know what? I got something written down here that has nothing to do with anxiety. So I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to recommend uh, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. Mm -hmm. It is a woo-woo-y book um i'm just gonna like preface it with that but dude it's for me it's so good uh and you're, you're prefacing that because we're usually allergic to the woo well i like the woo uh-huh i like exploring it uh-huh i don't buy in any of it there you go i love the oh that's I, I actually though i was telling someone this the other day like the my belief system that i have dude um i wouldn't share it with anyone like the the actual beliefs that i that i have and that i go by mm -hmm. they are out loud they're insane yeah, spaghetti monster. Right. So I, I, I understand that it's like I don't believe in my beliefs. Or what did JP say on our podcast? We I have my beliefs 
and I hold them really close. He said, believe, he said uh, have your beliefs, but don't believe your beliefs. Yeah, that's exactly, and that's exactly what I do. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, Jordan, the, you know J.P. Sears? Are you familiar with his work? You know, he was on one of our uh, podcasts. You, you'd really like his stuff. Um, we'll so talk good. to Jordan here. Yeah, you would like it because the, 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 his comedy is like right up your alley. It's so good. For sure. But, but, uh, my point is, is that the power of now, it is very woo woo y. And some of the things I've, I've taken away that I, that I, that I believe that I don't believe in, um, it, it is, it has helped me understand the, that voice in my head that's constantly causing the anxiety, that's constantly criticizing me, that's constantly judging myself, or maybe it's judging others, but that, that internal voice that we all have, mm-hmm. like I have never looked at it the same since reading that book, The Power of Now. And here's the thing too about the woo-woo stuff, dude. Yeah. It's really fun to believe, dude. <laughs> well, it's so much fun to believe. Here, here's a gateway into that. <laughs> if, if you're really like me and you're like, I can't get into the woo-woo stuff, yeah. uh, Sam Harris, uh, who's in our documentary, he has this uh, this video. Someone did like a, um, a voiceover video of, of a talk he gave about essentially the power of now. I think it's called There Is Only Now. Sean, if you can find a link to that, it's on YouTube. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So you get to choose. You can do the power of now or there's only now. If you just want a five-minute sort of introduction yeah. to him talking about there really is only now. Yeah. And uh, I the, think I think it'll accomplish the same thing depending on what your proclivities are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the power of now is going to go much deeper um, yes. it, into it. But but uh, yeah, if you're not... Like for me, when I read the woo-woo-wee stuff, like it is, it doesn't bother me because... Well, a like I respect other people's values and beliefs, mm-hmm. so um, I, I try not to cast judgment on that. And uh, I'm just I am able to compartmentalize the okay, like I understand that's how they interpret this thing that happens in life, and that's their explanation for it. And I'm glad that they see it that way, and then I can keep moving past it. But I don't have to like stop and like tweet them and be like, no, no, you sit here on page 17 that. And yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, well, all, all depends to, on your style, I guess. You don't feel the need to correct everyone all exactly, the time. Dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, also because I, I don't, I don't know either, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know anything hundred percent. Right. You know what works for you. And that's what we tend to share on right. our podcast, website, films, whatever. All right. Let's move on to right here, right now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. I, I said, I'd, I had some follow up from previous episodes. So, uh, here's a JFM health update. Um, so at the beginning of this month, so we're typing this on July 17th, right? Didn't you send me a text that said, um, you can cut diamonds with your dick now or something? Uh, I did. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Um, that wasn't the only thing in the text. Um, but, um, so, so I have this, I mean, I've been dealing with, you can go back and listen to the health problems episode, episode 138. I did with my doctor. And, uh, if you want to dive deep into what health problems I've had, um, and I've been feeling great this year in general, like just so much better. I can tell dude. I all year I've been feeling great. I've addressed all the problems. It's the LA sun, man, the uh, LA doctors, well, the, the LA ladies. Well, yeah, I had to move my lady out from, from Montana, but yes. <laughs> um, and so, um, the, the, the things I've been going through have been really anxiety producing, but more than anxiety, they were despair inducing. Mm. And uh, I remember a couple of years, three years ago, I, I really felt like two years ago, I felt some serious despair uh, on my, my 35th birthday. And it was sort of the, the nadir of this whole thing where I was just feeling so bad. And since then, I've worked really hard. In the last six months, I feel better than I have in maybe five, seven years. 
But then this month, I feel better than I have in a really long time. And so uh, earlier this year, I did this 10-day fast. I only lasted six days because it made me really sick. It's a, it's not a real fast. It's a fast mimicking protocol. It's a detox fast by a doctor named Dr. Walsh. And um, uh, you, you do all these sort of you do this weird soup and, and onion and garlic soup. You were saying pretty much. Is there onion, anything else in it? Like? Yeah, there's uh, there a bunch of spices. Okay, uh, gotcha. and and it basically it has the en- enzymes that help you detox from heavy metals and, and a few other things. In addition to the chelating therapy and everything I've done to to deal with those heavy metals, mm-hmm. but then this this. Um, well, the, this month, I, I, I did it again on my doctor's recommendation. Try it for four or five days. So I did it for four days, this fast-mimicking uh, diet, detox. And afterward, while I was listening to that, I, was, I, I heard uh, Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was talking about how he had been on the carnivore diet mm. uh, for... I've heard a lot about this recently, man. And, and My he, chiropractor was just telling me, and he looks, he, like, he looks great, like, don't get me wrong, but he also was telling me how awesome he feels. Yeah, and so I, I he and he but he and his daughter have had some serious autoimmune issues mm. uh, which I certainly have. He had different ones from me. What exactly is an autoimmune issue? Anything that triggers an immune response in your body. So so, inflammation. Yeah, yeah, inflammation is a big one. Eczema is a is autoimmune uh, ah. disease. Uh, chemical sensitivities, which is what I have, autoimmune. Uh, and, and so there, there are a bunch of things. It's just whatever makes our immune system overreact to, right. to something in the normal environment is basically an autoimmune response. And so... Um, the, <laughs> That's just my natural state, man, just overreacting to everything. <laughs> yeah, but your your immune system doesn't. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And so... Um, in. I mean, I, I, I've also had a significant amount of gut issues, you know, gut health issues, right? And so I, after this four-day fast, so for the last two weeks... You got I've, a stomach transplant. No. I've been eating nothing but meat and greens. I mean, that is... It, well, and, and oils. Percentage-wise. Um, no. I, I, no. I mean, I, I don't have any percentage. Like, I it's eat, not like 60% meat, 30% greens, 10% olive oil? No, no. So I, whatever, I'll do olive oil or I'll do... Um, uh, coconut oil. Can you do like avocados and stuff, or just well, straight up oil? So you, I don't know yet, and here's why. Okay. So uh, in these in these two weeks, I've been eating meat. So so organic chicken or steak, um, and, and greens like mm. leafy greens, and then some sort of oil. And I've also been uh, eating, uh, well, drinking a little bit of coffee uh, each day. And 100% dark chocolate occasionally. And that's it. That is the extent of my entire diet. I'm not, first off, I'm not recommending this for anyone. I'm not saying you should do this as well. What I'm saying is the clarity of mind that I feel is better than I have in decades. Awesome. The amount of energy I have is stupid. I mean, it is like... We finished that Phoebe Bridgers concert. It was 11.45 p.m. Now, you know me. I am tired by 6 p.m. Yeah. 11.45, I'm like, I can go home right now and do some emails. I can get on an exercise bike. I can do whatever I want right now. I am, like, fully energetic. And I'm actually sleeping a little bit less right now with more energy. I'm not taking the afternoon mm. naps. Like, I don't feel like I need them. And I don't have that crash throughout the day ever awesome. at all. I'm never feeling tired, except one day I added eggs and avocado to my, my breakfast. Oh, wow. And it destroyed me for about two days. Like, wow. all of a sudden, I was like, lethargic and i felt it like here in my my head and it was just 
it was crazy. Now, the reason I'm doing this, I'm working with my doctor to do it. I think that's another thing that's important, uh, is after 90 days, I'm going to do a, a blood panel to compare my blood results. So he, he has this sort of, he has indexed results of seven or 8,000 different people. And so my blood, last time I got drawn, I was 36 and I had the blood of a 47 year old. Mm. Now, a lot of that has to do with inflammation. So I have a lot of inflammation, but ever since this month, I feel different. Like I look thinner. I'm not, I haven't lost like a bunch of weight or anything, but like the inflammation is gone. My knees aren't creaky how they used to be. Oh, wow. I don't feel achy how I was feeling all the time. That's awesome. And Believe me, I get it. This diet is not for everyone. My partner, Rebecca, essentially has the exact opposite diet. She is basically a vegetarian, and so like we'll sit down and eat a meal together, and I have a, a – I'm, food is medicine. I'm never hungry anymore. Um, I'm, I'm never I'm, – but I make sure I get enough calories. I'm still getting 2,500 calories a day or more, and so it's, I'm not depriving myself of food. And I'm still taking the supplements I talked about on, on episode 138, but – I the the proof is how I feel right now. I feel amazing. Now I know I'll probably get sick at some point. And this this is not some sort of miracle cure for me. I'm just saying I feel significantly better. And as soon as I have more data, I've, I've done a blood test. I'll see if if it's actually improved. You know my my internal health as well. That's so. awesome, man. Yeah, Mariah. Um, I forget what what Nourish Balance Thrive what diet they have her on right now. But that's the next the next approach is the carnivore diet. Basically, yeah. and so I'm I'm not technically on a carnivore diet because I'm eating other things other than meat, right? Mm -hmm. I, I eat a, a good amount of, of greens. I got a salad this this morning was just greens and a little bit of oil. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not the carnivore diet; it's kind of the I just call carnivore meat, diet ish meat and greens. That's that's what I call it because I mean, that that's really what it is. I, I also have some coffee and and some oils, and occasionally some dark chocolate. 100% dark chocolate. So, cool. yeah, that's uh, something to keep in mind. And, and I'm not encouraging anyone to try that. I just wanted to share that and let you know that I'm feeling better than I ever have. And I know that I'm going to get started getting messages from vegans and other people. You got to try this. You got to try this. You got to try this. Believe me, I've tried virtually every diet. This one seemed the most crazy to me. So I just like didn't, I didn't go down this path. Other diets have really helped me out. I've gone on primarily plant-based diet. It really helped me because I cut out the processed foods in my life. That certainly helped, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when I did paleo, um, that helped because I brought some meat back in my life and it increased my energy levels. This current diet, I don't know how sustainable it is. I don't know how long it'll last. Um, you can go back and listen to our food episode too. Rich Roll and I, uh, and you, we're all talking about how, how we each have different needs. And that's yeah. why... Rebecca can thrive on her current diet, on her carbohydrates, and she can do CrossFit and all these other things. And for me, I get really tired when I eat a bunch of carbohydrates or even just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have on right here, right now, Ryan? You're not going to be a dodgeball tonight. I'm not because we're we're finishing trying to film this new documentary. Well, Matt and I will be there. Well, <laughs> we're... <laughs> you don't have any kids. Yet. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, and so... Um, we're tonight. We're yesterday. You filmed uh, at your house. Yeah, it went great. Uh, a segment for this new documentary. It's called "The Minimalist Less Is Now," and um, it's built around this talk that we gave last year. But then there's all this other stuff. We've done these monologues. We've got this this uh, 
product, this widget that we're, we're talking about. We're talking about consumerism. We went to Dayton, Ohio and filmed in this abandoned, beautiful God, I can't mall. wait to see what he does with that footage. So we've got so good. all of this great footage uh, with Matt Diavella, and uh, we're going out to my house tonight to film uh, a dinner that we're having together, um, the five of us. Me yeah, it's what we do typically, man. We have a dinner and Matt films it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know why he needs more footage of this. <laughs> Why, why he always tells us not wear clothes. It's strange. <laughs> but uh, hopefully that'll be out by the end of the year. So stay tuned to that. If you're on our email list over at theminimalists.com, you'll be the first to know about where it will be and when it will be coming out. And uh, yeah, I can't play dodgeball tonight. That's unfortunate. But we do dude, have... An- you, speaking of dodgeball... Yes. Dude, I have like my shoulder. Like right now, it's not too bad, dude. But like, I didn't realize just from playing 40 i mean the games are only 45 minutes is it i thought it was an hour but yeah same thing yeah i mean it's yeah i mean you're not throwing balls the whole time either right but like the few that i throw man like if you don't if i don't throw properly like it totally several days god screws up my shoulder several days for me yeah yeah but um it gets better each week i found yeah although i'm taking three weeks off because we're traveling for the tour so if you have any dodgeball tips uh hit me up on twitter at ryan nicodemus (laughs) let's do it (laughs) Uh, any throwing tips and we do have some exciting new news you've heard us reference someone random person named the jordan this disembodied person yes um i think if you're watching the youtube channel right now he'll probably flash a a, a, a picture of himself right now. Right. Uh, we have a new team member. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's going on here? <laughs> oh, look, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's Jordan Moore. <laughs> and so if, if you're listening to this, which 99% of you are listening to it, then uh, you can find him over on... <laughs> <laughs> he has such good intros and outros. <laughs> uh, you, you can find him uh, on Instagram, uh, Jordan No More, uh, but it's K-N-O-W... M O O R E. So good, dude. Jordan, no that more. Is, yeah, that's he, a great. He's hero. a super. So we we went through this process of about fifty people submitted, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of reel to us, right? Yeah. And then we moved nineteen people on to the second round of the filmmaker round two game show, mm-hmm. where the minimalists are hiring a filmmaker, and nineteen people made it through. And they were all great. Like, I would have felt good about with at least a dozen of those people. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. These are great people. And then we, we selected four people to move on to the next round where they had to edit last week's episode and do different graphics and stuff like that. And we accidentally screwed up the footage that, that Jordan had to edit. And somehow he fixed it because <laughs> uh, he's a ninja. That's right. And uh, he's just a super talented filmmaker, storyteller, um, artist. Uh, and just check out his work. You, uh, JordanNoMore.com or find him on Instagram. We'll put a link to all that in the show notes yeah, as we well. Are, we are so lucky to have you on the team, man. Thanks, yeah. so, so, thanks so much for doing this. It's funny though, I was I was telling Jordan like how y- you know, you, you'll hear people say something like, oh, I wish we could hire them all or I wish everyone could have won or like I truly wish like those top 10 people, we could hire them all. Yeah. And we probably will work with a couple of them in, in the in the future. But but man, like what what a freaking honor to be able to go through all those awesome submissions and talent. And and we, the cream of the crop has risen. And Jordan, <laughs> yes, welcome to the team, man. We are so grateful to have work. you. Yeah. So, so stay tuned. Uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Minimalist. We're obviously going to do more video podcasts. And now now you can see what's got the three angles. And we're going to do some, uh, we're going to cut up some of these. <laughs> Hi. Uh, Hi. 
we're, we're going to cut these up <laughs> and do some quickie episodes. And uh, so you'll, you'll see a lot more video stuff. Also, we'll work on maybe some web series, some voiceover things. We've got a lot in store. And I, Jordan has a, a lot of good ideas for us as well. So we're going to do a lot more with video stuff. It's the one area where we've been deficient these last eight years other than the documentary, which is the most popular thing we've ever done. Right. And now we'll be able to do a lot more video stuff, uh, short form things, video essays, more visuals, things that uh, are going to add value to your life. And we've got someone to help us tell those stories, produce some meaningful creations for you. So stay tuned to our YouTube channel for that. And uh, oh, and shout out to, to Katie and Alejandro and Devin and Thea rounded out the top five for us. I mean, just some amazing people. I would have felt good about any of you. I'm grateful you took the time to submit. I'm grateful for everyone who took the time to submit. Amen. And uh, we are here now. Jordan, welcome to the team, my friend. All right, uh, what else we have going on right now? Oh, yeah, we're looking for some more questions about sex, love, business, jobs, and sleep. So if you have those, you'll move to the front of the line if you call up with a question. We've got some uh, special guests coming on for that. And if you'd like these uh, show notes in your inbox, um, you always hear us talking to Podcast Sean about the show notes. Just go to theminimalists.com, enter your email address at the top. We'll email you the show notes anytime a new episode comes out. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, the videos on YouTube come out a day early. So if you want to get this podcast a day earlier, uh, you can find the video version on YouTube on Mondays. And one other bit of, of good news. So last year we did the Packed Bag Project. Yeah. And it was, it was this weird experiment where we essentially encourage people to not buy something. Talk about, yeah, talk about uh, just, just back, uh, backpedaling a little bit or, or, or taking a step back. A decision that we had to make to, 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 to make a physical item, dude. Like, that was a very tough, it was anxiety producing uh, for me a little bit. Like, okay, yeah. is this the right decision? Are we doing the right thing? And I mean that is, the the packed bag is an example of something where um, yes, like I took all the factors into consideration, uh, talked to many people. You and I had many conversations about it, and we came up with a decision to go ahead and do the packed bag. But with the caveat of trying to talk people out of buying it. Absolutely. Meaning, hey, you pro the 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 only way that we promoted it was hey, you probably don't need a new bag. Right. But we've had thousands of people, over not thousands, we had over a thousand people reach out to us since the documentary came out and said, hey, where, where'd you get your bag? And the truth was there were only 300 of them ever made. And we would take it as a joke, dude. Like At first, yeah. Oh, you watched our documentary and you want to purchase that bag. We have failed you. We are so sorry. <laughs> right. Like we've just encouraged you to buy this bag. Right. But, but then what we realized, you know what? Like I've been using this bag for seven years. I've gotten more value out of this item than any other one individual item because mm -hmm. we travel so much. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I travel everywhere. In fact, I was at the Bozeman airport uh, last week and, and this guy walks, Hey, can I take a picture with you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I set my bag down. He's like, I bet you're only traveling with one bag. Huh? I'm like, yeah, I've I've heard the jokes before, man. Like like I could tell he was getting ready to go down the the road of like Yeah, I just give polite laughter. I had yeah. someone walk up to me the other day, I had like some lemons in my hand. Some very minimalist amount of lemons. I just give him the old <laughs> Oh you <laughs> You squirt the lemon in his eye, you run away. Good one, I'll write that down. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah. So um the good news is uh, they finally started, like people started receiving the the first the, the early backers. We did a, a Indiegogo campaign with mm. it and it was wildly successful in the sense that a lot of people um, who we talked in, uh, we talked out of it, didn't buy the bag. And why, why, why I was saying it's successful is now I'm getting these reviews back from people yeah. where it says, 
I really like my husband loves his bag or my wife loves his bag. I really should have ordered two, but I was when you guys you you said to be really deliberate and question whether or not we actually needed this bag. And so Dude, it worked. <laughs> I guess so. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, if anyone's interested in seeing that, you can go to gopacked.com. It's G-O-P-A-K-T.com. You can see the bag, but you probably don't need a new bag, so don't buy it unless you actually think you'll get value from yeah. it. Talk about anxiety-inducing too, man. Like just, you know, the the responsibility of putting a product into the world and like, you know, the waste and the labor put into it and then the quality once it arrives to someone's place. Mm-hmm. And dude, Malcolm Fontier has just flawlessly executed from beginning to finish an amazing product that dude i'm i'm really pl- i'm really proud to talk people out of buying it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's uh, that's almost it here if you have a comment for this episode you can leave it on youtube we that's where we do check the comments uh, like i said early episodes come out on mondays a day early ryan you got anything else for us yeah man i got all these voicemail comments and tips from our listeners check them out hey josh and ryan my name's jennifer i'm calling from pittsburgh pa I just had a comment on the collecting podcast episode. Um, For trophies, I usually toss them. But for medals, they're easy to store and they make great Christmas ornaments. That way, you still have them and you still get to see them once a year. And they store really great because they're small and they're flat. Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Emily from Oklahoma City. Um, I had a tip. I feel like you guys have been getting a lot of questions about journals and keeping things, and I know that the gratitude journals are very popular nowadays. Um, Instead of keeping a traditional gratitude journal, I've started writing on my mirror in my bathroom with dry erase marker every night before I go to bed. So after I brush my teeth, I'll write down three things that brought me joy or that I'm grateful for that happened that day. Um, And then that way, I go to sleep, and the next morning when I wake up, the first thing I see um, are those things that I'm grateful for starts off the day in a great mindset and it's one way where you can just erase it and do the same thing the next night um, and it doesn't build up into any journals or anything. Hi guys, this is Stephanie from Harrison, Ohio. I'm calling in regard to your May 1st episode with Rich Roll about food. I had a comment and an added value. Um, My comment is that it was really nice to hear from somebody who is vegan um, about keeping things simple because I've transformed over the past few months um, through my vegan journey and I've discovered the same thing that just keeping things simple when it comes to food uh, makes things a whole lot easier. It's not as hard as what you might think in the beginning. But in my beginning phase of becoming vegan, I did find uh, a blog and um, a cook and baker who really adds a lot of value to my my recipes and what I chose to add to my daily intake of food. And her blog is The Minimalist Baker. Her idea is that she has the least amount of ingredients, the least amount of tools to make each recipe, and I have not had a bad recipe from her blog yet. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839, or you can send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. If you all leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.
Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Every little thing that you gotta have, every little thing that you gotta have, you gotta reach for and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. So tear your eyes away, or tear. 